You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of NFT 365. And, you know, one of the things that I've really worked hard on with this podcast is really the idea that I believe, you know, a lot of the educational content we can create right now is more about, you know, how do we not only welcome in uh, those that are new to this space, but also how do we provide unique perspectives, right? Like, and I think this is like that magic of, you know, for me, there's so many different ways that the NFT space can be leveraged and utilized. And, you know, I, I did that episode a while back of like, you know, 41 plus use cases for NFTs. And I'm a, I'm a big believer on where, you know, NFTs kind of fit into uh, the mix and, you know, really even how we can even rethink about, you know, every aspect of business and, and how, you know, maybe even how we can, you know, even grow our own audience, our own following when it comes to, you know, NFTs and, this space. Well, at the same time, I understand that there are trends and things that people love to kind of lean in and talk about. And we, we kind of have to address, well, I was going to say the monkey in the room, but surprisingly, uh, this conversation isn't about a monkey. It's actually about a moon bird. If you haven't heard, moon birds, which was a, the first project out of the Proof Collective, right? The Proof Collective um, was is Kevin Rose's uh, collective. Uh, those that aren't familiar with Kevin Rose, I've actually, I met Kevin Rose for the first time in 2013. I actually was on a, a panel with Kevin back then. Um, and he was the founder of Dig, uh, which was a, uh, a platform, kind of like a news aggregate uh, that was actually exploding. It had lots of, uh, you know, it was backed. It had lots of, uh, you know, kind of wind beneath its sails, to say the least. Um, and he's been a, a kind of a, a who's who in the um, in the tech space over the years, not only as a founder, but also as um, someone that's kind of a, a thought leader in the space. And uh, he teamed up with a couple other um, you know known founders, uh, those that have launched and, and had some really successful eg- exits. And they launched this uh, thing called the Proof Collective uh, a couple months back. And I'll tell you, we were uh, I was talking over with a couple of friends that we kind of combined some bags together and. It was, it was around three ETH at the time um, when we thought about buying uh, our Proof Collective. And then even at seven ETH, we thought about it. And uh, I now I know it's up, up about 80 ETH. So, wow, we made a mistake there. But Moonbirds was actually a project that, that they released, um, was their first NFT uh, PFP project. And I'll tell you, you know, as I started to research the project, you know, they were definitely relying heavily on um, the notoriety of Proof. And uh, really, the you know kind of validation of their uh, you know of the people that were involved um, in this collective because there wasn't a whole bunch of you know like kind of like 
uh, I would say utility or roadmap options or even like a lot of uh, things that were kind of mapped out um, on the website. But nonetheless, uh, you know, they did a raffle where you could you could enter into a raffle to have an opportunity to, uh, you know, pre pre uh, mint this uh, NFT project. And, you know, for those that know, you know, I was in, I won one of the raffle spots uh, for the Mechaverse project, which was back in November. And, uh, you know, that was another project that had um, tons of hype. I think the difference between the two was that project was kind of like from a bunch of unknown creators that had previewed a lot of art and had a lot of um, kind of uh, speculation behind it. This project, I kind of feel like in a way it was kind of... um, I don't even know how the right way to say this is I'll just come out and say it. like it was almost like the the version of like the web two players coming together and saying, what can we do to disrupt this space? Like how do we drop um, a project that kind of um, disrupts or really kind of leverages all of their experience and background? And I mean, let's just cut to the chase, right? They, um, they, they did over 200, million in sales 200 million in sales now there were people um, like my good friend shira lazar uh, shira is the co-host of alpha mondays with me um, shira was one of the people that actually um, was lucky enough to win one of those uh you know those beautiful uh raffles and um she's able to mint her uh moonbird and i'll tell you like from you know i was tracking it over the weekend i had no intention really of buying one um it was at a price point that um for me i don't look at it uh for a lot of what we're doing here on the pro- podcast um jumping into that price point like the amount of risk that is there is is pretty heavy but i will say um you know transparently i advised uh, you know i advised some uh some big players in this space as far as what to buy and it was definitely one that you know when it was at about i think 7 eth might have been 8 eth um i kind of uh was reaching out to a couple of them and said hey i still think this is a uh, a good spot to get on this project. And there was a lot of speculation around, you know, will the project dip and, you know, what will this look like? Because, um, of course, it did mint out and the floor kind of shot up out of nowhere, which uh, for anyone that was kind of watching this, uh, it was a little bit of a wild ride. But I will also say, you know, it was probably unlike any other uh, project. And there was a lot of FUD out there. There's a lot of haters. Uh, I think part of the haters were, you know, it kind of felt like a, a venture capitalist play, right? And I'm just going to put it, you know, put it out there. The floor price right now at the moment, I was just checking it, um, like in this actual moment, um, it is 20 and a half ETH is the floor price. So when it debuted, um, you know, on the 16th of, uh, April, you know, it was, you know, the floor price, I remember like the floor price jumped, uh, you know, kind of all over the place, but, uh, it kind of settled around like seven to 10, um, ETH. And then over the last three days, uh, I believe it's at its height. Let me see. At its height, it had hit uh, 24 ETH uh, with average sales, uh, you know, kind of, I mean, pretty amazing average uh, pricing. And, and you know, it, it, it was really interesting, right? Because part of the argument for some of the, um, I would say, the traditionalists in Web3 was like, wow, that's going to take so much liquidity out of the market. Now, I kind of first kind of looked at that notion and was like, well, that's probably true. Like there, you know, it's a very interesting, you know, kind of use case because if people are, are selling a bunch of their NFTs, so they have enough money to like have four or five, six, seven, eight ETH, um, to jump into a project like this. Well, you know, like there, that means they're you know, probably going to hold on to this project for a long while. Now I will say the flip of this was also actually some of the big players 
in like how they looked at this as, as a quick win to make money. Uh, Franklin, who many know I interviewed on this podcast, um, at the time he had about 36 bored apes. I believe he's now up to 41 um, bored apes. Um, he tweets out oftentimes very transparently like when he's doing flips. And I believe he made 12 ETH in one hour. Uh, he bought two Moonbirds um, and was able to sell both of them uh, at a high profit. And then he actually sold his Proof Collective uh, membership as well. And so, you know, there was still like the flipping, you know, they had an instant art reveal. Uh, so there wasn't really kind of like that, the the because usually with a lot of these big projects, there's hype for the launch of the Mint. And then the Mint, it shoots up. And then there's hype leading up to the reveal. So it t- continues to climb. And then usually right after the reveal, there's like a big dip. And then usually around that first utility drop or around maybe like, you know, kind of the first couple utility drops um, or even like kind of like a couple weeks in, you start to see things come back up. Well, interestingly with this project, you know, it didn't have, you know, it had an instant art reveal and so it didn't have that dip and it's continued to rise. Now I will say I'm kind of a geek and I was looking at it and I was like, you know what, I want to study some of the wallets that are holding um, the actual, you know, um, the Moonbirds. And I will tell you, you know, they have 10,000 in their collection right now. Um, and their, their total, uh, you know, holdings, they have, uh, you know, over 6,000 uh, individual holders, which, you know, is uh, very high, you know, 6,600 individual holders um, on the project itself. So it actually has a, a high percentage uh, where the average, you know, is less than, um, you know, less than two for uh, per holder. But I will tell you, at the same time that Moonbirds was happening, I was getting texts and messages from a ton of my friends that aren't really in this space. And you know what they were talking about? Not Moonbirds. They were talking and they were, uh, most of them were saying, Brian, are NFTs really that big of a scam? Like Jack Dorsey sold his first tweet of ever on Twitter for $2.9 million and and now he can't even sell it for $300 or he got an offer for $800. And, and it was so funny because, you know, for those that, you know, Jack Dorsey minted uh, his actual first tweet that he ever put out on Twitter um, a while back, right? And you could make arguments on, you know, what that was. And that was, you know, kind of early in the hype uh, cycle. Also, Jack Dorsey's reputation kind of in the crypto web three world was very positive where it's at now. It's, uh, you know, to be argued, it's not the uh, same, maybe quite the opposite as far as um, the project goes. But people were just like reading that headlines like, oh my gosh, like, look how funny it like we were mocking the fact that someone bought the first tweet for $2.9 like serves them right those like those JPEGs, you know, they're, 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 you know, they're not worth their money. And they're just, you know, speculation and fraud. And so like, interestingly, inside of us, like our web three NFT bubble, all I heard was moonbirds, moonbirds, moonbirds. Not to mention there was thousands and thousands of scammers that were trying to get people to click on links. And unfortunately, you know, two people in our community, um, they actually clicked on a link because it came from a verified Twitter account, um, and it ended up they ended up uh, you know getting NFTs stolen from their wallet. I can't stress this enough. If it looks too good to be true, or if it is a tweet from someone that you do not have experience or knowledge with. Do not click that tweet and then surely please do not connect your wallet to anything after you click a link from that tweet. And, uh, you know, I, the scammer is going to be out for every big hype project. But you know what? How I looked at this and I will tell you, you know, 
when I was thinking about launching this NFT uh, Mint 365 project, you know, I, I was, you know, you, you can, I mean, I've said this a lot on the podcast, but it was, I, I, this was my, this was my thought was, man, this crypto space, like Bitcoin um, and even like the Robin Hood world, a lot of it seemed very elitist. And a lot of it also seemed very, um, like, takes money to make money, right? And only um, the rich can play. And this weekend, man, it felt really, it felt very, like, uh, old school Web 2 cool kids club of, like, who had money could play. And and I'm not saying this is a bad thing, right? I'm just putting this out there as like the understanding of where this reputation went. But the funny thing about it is it's what all of us were talking about internally, but externally people were talking about this Jack Dorsey tweet um, that, and and just truthfully, it wasn't that it couldn't sell. It was just getting offers that were very low for someone that was trying to sell the NFT. And so, and we all know how offers go, right? People make super low offers on all NFT projects. But back to the idea, like for me, when I was looking at this space, I was like, I don't want to educate and amplify. I don't want to give my strategies and like my information and really, cause like really I don't play well in that, in that space of like, um, a, a crap load of money. Like, or you could say, you know, if you have fuck you money or, you know, for the, excuse my French, but you know, those that can throw money at things that are super high risk. Now, at the same time, I'm someone that, you know, what played semi-professional poker for a while. I'm actually, for those that are watching the video of this podcast episode, uh, which we record every single podcast episode over on our YouTube. So if you're interested, check that out. But I'm actually wearing, a, it's a sh- shirt with a squirrel on it. Um, and, a, you know, the back of it's a World Series of Poker. It's about getting the nuts, which the nuts in poker is the best hand that you could have. And so funny enough, like in poker, you know, I've played in some of the biggest poker tournaments in the world. I played in the World Series of Poker. Um, I, my largest, uh, you know, I didn't buy in, but my, um, my backer, the, the sponsor that I had, um, bought me into a $25,000 um, per seat um, uh, poker game. And I remember even sitting there and feeling like, man, this is, you know, this is at a different level. But I will say, like, it, I've mentioned this before, like, I always looked at that as there's a difference between playing um, a tournament and cash, right? A tournament, we all buy in for the same amount, but then we all have the same amount of chips. And if we lose, we all have the same risk, right? We lose, we're out of the tournament. In a cash game of poker, people can keep buying in. Well, in this poker, in this poker analogy to the NFT space, you know, part of this thing like with Moonbirds where, you know, if you had 20, 30 ETH of liquidity, you could splash around at six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 ETH and buy a Moonbird, hold it for a little bit, decide if you want to flip it for a little bit more money. But for the mass majority of people that I, you know, I kind of circle my, my rounds with, you know, even the idea of buying an NFT for a couple hundred dollars is, uh, you know, is, a, is a massive leap. And that doesn't mean those people don't have money, but there is kind of like a different risk tolerance and a r- different um, approach that we have to take to um, when we're kind of putting that much um, uh, at risk. And, and yes, you could look at the Proof Collective uh, NFT that they had and it continued to moon. But like I was laughing when I was reading this article where you know, Kevin Rose was being interviewed and, and I would love to have Kevin here on the podcast sometime because uh, I have some questions that I, I don't believe anyone else has asked him. But um, he was being interviewed, you know, like the, the membership, right? It was, you know, it was kind of being sold outside that to get into the proof membership community, which is what you know, they're, they're selling as their utility. You know, the, the minimum price was a quarter million dollars. And I don't know about you, but when I hear 
that people are have at their disposal a quarter million dollars to spend on a membership, that's a different like that. They're in a different ball game, right? Like that, that they're they're ones that aren't impacted. Uh, when gas prices are going up or down or, um, you know, housing prices are, are going up and down. And I'm not saying that's a you know the bad thing or good thing, but it was so funny for me that so much of the topic and conversation was around Moonbirds. But really, when we think about it, and this is why with our NFT project, I made it very clear that I would be buying an NFT every day that was in the mint phase. Now, I will tell you, I didn't put like a limit on how much I would buy, how much I would not buy. And I did enter the raffle. And when I entered the raffle for a Moonbirds, here's what I was, what I had planned on doing was if we had won the raffle, I was going to include it in our collection. So it, w- it would have been the highest priced um, NFT that we would have minted um, for our collection. Right now, the highest, uh, we've minted two uh, different ones at 0.9 Ethereum, um, right? So it's you know, a little over $2,000. But you know, the average you know, is much more skewed uh, towards like 0.15 uh, per uh, NFT that we've been buying. But I will tell you, I, I work really hard to also cover the gamut of from a 0.05 Ethereum, uh, you know, NFT that we bought, uh, we minted a couple of days ago uh, to the, you know, the higher ones, 0.3, 0.4, uh, because I, I look at this and I look at this space and say, you know, the, those that are going to come in with that much liquidity and that much money, they're going to be playing a different game than the 99% of people. But I also believe a lot of the innovation in this space are going to happen from the 99% people accumulating liquidity and then being able to jump into something like Moonbirds. So for me, I'm all for it. I am wishing nothing but success for the Moonbirds project. I have a lot of friends um, that are holding their Moonbirds. Uh, a couple of them listed um, um, you know, over the last 24 hours. But you know, for me, I love that there. It's, it's a different use case, right? And I think we have to study. I, I will tell you, know, if you want to launch an NFT project, and, and here's a little bit of alpha for you. Um, I'm spending, I mean, I spent eight and a half hours yesterday, eight and a half hours, at least probably nine hours studying NFTs, um, both for the ones that we are going to buy uh, today, as well as studying some trends on a couple of projects that I believe is similar or are similar to a project that I want to release my very first PFP project. And I have a, uh, a Google Drive that uh, only I have access to that I've been tracking a bunch of trends on PFP projects that I think are similar in like utility and target audience for what I eventually want to actually um, launch. And I actually have been doing this since October. Now, I will tell you some of that legacy data is probably not valuable, uh, not that valuable today just because things um, have changed a lot recently. But what I wanted, I wanted to share is that I've been studying like that Moonburns trend, right? And I was looking at a lot of the wallets that were buying on secondary um, over that first 24 hours. And here's the truth. A lot of them, the only NFT in their wallet was a Moonbird. A couple of them had like one or two NFTs that were like random as hell and then a Moonbird. And some could speculate that, that those might have been um, wallets created by uh, some venture capitalists. Uh, I know there was, uh, I, I was following a thread where someone had said that they thought that 
you know, one of the one of the big VC firms was, had la- had created hundreds, uh, maybe even thousands of uh, wallets so that they could sweep floors and buy NFTs without things being kind of like tracked or, or making it look like there was just one whale. They could kind of like di- diversify um, the appearance of, of that, um, you know, of their NFTs. And, and just because a project, you know, I, I just said, you know, it has, I'm looking at it right now on our, our tool, right? Just because, you know, there are, there are I mean, this, and it's a pretty impressive uh, list of, uh, you know, holders, there's a 66% of unique holders. Uh, the average is 1.5 um, individual holders. And I will tell you, the person with the most Moonbirds in one wallet, right? That doesn't mean that they're the, they hold the most as an individual, right? A lot of individuals hold many, many wallets. But I will say the most one individual holds in one wallet of the Moonbirds is 126 Moonbirds. And their floor value of just that one wallet is $7.8 million. But the thing that I, that I kind of come back to this on is when we think about like trends and we think about like best practices, it's important to understand what the 1% is doing, where the innovation is happening there. But it's also even equally important, maybe even more important to translate that back into our world on like what are what are the decisions we're making. So I wanted to kind of give you guys um, real quickly some background on the NFTs that I've bought every day um, back till the let's just go back. We're going to go back nine days or so, right? So I'm going to give you um, a kind of a, a, a kind of a, a review, a you know, and I will put the link. We every single day I tweet uh, on a thread the new NFT that we buy, right? So when I, as soon as we buy an NFT for our project, I tweet it out. I put a little description on why we bought it. I put how much it was. I tag the name of the, of the NFT project for anyone to kind of follow along. But we're going to go back to um, April 10th. And April 10th, you know, we bought a project called The Lobsters. Um, and it, I will tell you, um, the art was revealed uh, just recently and I knew like this artist, um, if you looked at the website, you looked at the artist themselves, um, the artist is a known, super successful, um, both digital and offline artist. Uh, I loved the website design, the storytelling, um, and they also had a lot of social good components built in, but the social good components were like clearly defined and I, and I believed aren't going to sabotage um, the actual project or the floor price. So we ended up minting that at 0.11 ETH. And, and I'm going to tell you how much we minted each one for, because I just want you to kind of understand like the, you know, like on that day, I was looking between four projects. I ended up going with the lobsters. The next day, we actually minted on 4.11, we minted Boss Babes NFT. Now, Boss Babes MST, I've been able to share Twitter spaces um, with the team. Uh, there's the, both the founder, um, which who is the NFT's babes, um, and the artist who is uh, on a sales art. And I've been able to get to know them uh, through Twitter spaces. I love their commitment, their vision. And that we minted them for 0.07. So 0.07 um, is what we minted them for. And a lot of it is because like, I trust that what they're trying to create with Boss Babes um, is, a, is a project they're going to be committed to for the long run. Uh, I also think the, the empowering of the artist and the founder uh, together, uh, I thought was just a really you know, beautiful thing. And so the next day on the 12th, um, we, you know, and so we minted the first one at 0.11, the second one at um, 0.07. Uh, on the 12th, we actually minted our very first uh, combo mint of our project. What I mean by that is 
the actual second project we ever minted and the very first PFP project we ever minted was Chibi Labs and the Chibi Galaxy um, NFT. Now, I had already held two of the previous Chibi Labs um, NFT projects previously before. And I actually, the, our very first interview is with the found, one of the founders, Matt, uh, of Chibi Labs. And they rolled out a new project, which they called Chibi Friends. And the Chibi Friends, I will tell you, I wouldn't have minted this project if it was just another um, version uh, or another NFT for Chibi, because I, I, I want to show like a very diversified view of our projects and I, and I don't want to favor any one collection, but I will tell you what the way that they're doing this project is that it, it starts off as an egg and it's called the Chibi friends. And we minted them at 0 0.05 um, in full transparency. I also, because I hold uh, five of their, uh, of their NFTs as well. I got one free mint um, on top of that. But what is really cool is they have this training concept where you can actually train your NFT. And as your NFT matures, it starts to enhance the actual art and the utility um, and even kind of leads into kind of the, the gaming side of the house. And so I, I will tell you, like I look at Chibi Labs as one of the most innovative with the best 3D art, my personal opinion, um, uh, out there. They have, I mean, they're, they have an AR app. Um, they, I, for whatever reason, I think that they've, they've had some bad timing on the drops of their projects because, you know, their floor prices are, are, are well above what mint price was, but they haven't had any of their projects like Moon. But I love, you know, the utility of this project. And I will tell you, this project, I think, you know, will have some legs because of this unique idea of you're going to be able to train your NFT. But actually, what excites me most about this is Chibi Labs is going to be working with other projects as well as like our future projects for themselves that are going to leverage this same technology, right? So like this tech that they're using and they've continued to innovate, in my opinion, some of the best innovation has come from their lab. So we minted them at 0 0.05. So you might've noticed we went, you know, 0 0.11, 0 0.07, 0 0.05. Now the next day we actually minted uh, the Ape Liquid Legends. Now we had the, one of our guests, one of the, their founders, um, Alif, or he went by A1 um, on the podcast uh, and they're trying to create a super community. And they talked about that they had uh, Doug uh, Tenen, uh, Ten Naple uh, as their artist. Uh, they had some really cool art um, and, you know, having that, having him on the podcast, you know, getting to know him, although he is, uh, you know, he is doxxed, you know, or he is undoxed. Uh, we, you know, we don't know his first name, last name. Um, the idea that, you know, we got to know him through that. And, you know, I really like the art a lot of like a lot of the team. And so we minted, um, that project. And, and I think that project, you know, the art is really great. It's also connects to, um, some of their utility with their pass holders. So I thought that was a really interesting one. Um, and you know, it was, it kind of came in, uh, at 0.15, which I think is, you know, another kind of in that realm of, you know, different price points. Now, We've had all over the price, right? We started at 0 0.11, 0 0.07, 0 0.05, 0 0.15. And now on the flip of that, on the next day, on the 14th, we actually minted art blocks. Now we've minted a couple art blocks projects because I want to include one of one projects. I want to include digital artists um, in this collection. And I actually just love this. It's called the on-chain chain project um, by three different um, artists. And it was actually on the other extreme, right? It was 0 0.025 um, Ethereum, which is one of the cheaper uh, NFTs that we've actually uh, purchased. But what I loved about it is 
is the way that they 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 minted out the collection and the way that they included it in art blocks. It's gonna be very interesting to see how this project kind of grows and even the the utility grows. So that one came in at point oh two five. Definitely a cool one with art blocks. The next day, we uh, minted a project called uh, Secret Sesh, which is um, you know an established brand in the cannabis space that has decided that they want to launch a cannabis NFT that gives access special discounts to their cannabis um, and their events and their you know other products that they have, but. What I thought was really interesting is like there's a lot of cannabis, uh, you know, NFTs, and you know, the thing that I've always struggled with this is like how do they scale outside of their local region? Um, how do they attract you know a community? How do they provide value? Because I think local NFTs have value only if you can provide utility that is cross you know, crossovers, right? So it goes if if you hold like an in real life pass to come to an event. And if I can't use that, I should be able to sell that or turn it in or cash it in for like a metaverse component or whatever it may be. Um, I will also give a shout out, you know, one of the members in our community, uh, you know, our, our buddy THC, um, he has been a big fan of this project and he brought it to light. I've been in their discord since I think the day they launched their discord, uh, Secret Sesh. And I just love their approach to community, transparency, um, communication. And so Secret Sesh was the, was the next one that we had minted. And we have three more that I'm going to cover for you real quick. The third one there, so this is on the 16th. We, we minted another amazing musician. So we, we had minted earlier uh, the Digital Hearts collection, which was Sammy, um, who Sammy was on the podcast, uh, who is the, the uh, singer of, of Meta Girl. And one of the people that I actually met through Sammy because they had been singing on the same Twitter spaces was actually, you know, Violet and, and Violet was, uh, I, I, so, I mean, it seems like an amazing human and um, artist. I know she's been collaborating with a lot of um, great projects. And so she launched a music NFT um, and it was called Moonshot. And it, it minted at 0.05. And you get access, I believe, to three or four uh, of her songs. It's also being kind of used as a Genesis pass. Um, and I, I just thought it was a great uh, collection. She also did a great job of like educating her audience and, and onboarding them. So I, d- I definitely want to give her a shout out on that side. All right, the, the next one we minted was uh, another Ethereum-based one, uh, and this one was called Space Boo, B-O-O. And I will tell you, they everything on this project, when I first discovered it, I discovered it about seven days prior to buying it. Everything was about community, community, community. Even on their website, it's like community-driven project with community as the number one utility. And I was like, oh. Which makes me a little mad because I believe that community is never a buzzword and it is, it is okay to use it and, and double down on it. But here's the truth. The reason I gave the uh and rolled my eyes is because a lot of projects that talk community, 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 they lack utility and even lack an understanding of the difference between audience and community. But I jumped into the Space Boo's uh, you know, uh, Discord and I actually put notifications on, uh, which is rare for me, because I really wanted to understand like, how they communicated, like, what were their announcements look like, um, how did they celebrate their, their fans. And, and you know, it had some great art as well, but I will, I will tell you, they, they have a very unique approach to like, education and onboarding of their community, and I actually think they're going to back up. And um, you know, we bought that one uh, for 0.11 uh, Ethereum. 
Uh, and so if you kind of look at the trend here of these projects, you know, the, the highest one that we, we had purchased was 0.15 Ethereum. But then we had, you know, we have done everything um, all the way down one at 0.05, one at 0.025, and then kind of some in the middle range there as well. And then the last one I wanted to highlight, uh, which was yesterday's mint, was actually a Solana mint. And I will just tell you, um, this project, I've been tracking probably more than I've tracked any other Solana uh, mint project because I just loved, it's called the Hidden Boys NFT. And I just loved the, the, the way that the art and the storytelling of this project was presenting itself. And you know, just to give you a visual, it's a uh, it's a you know an art of of either a human or, or someone walking, but they have a paper bag over their head and over their body and their head, but then they also are holding different um, you know different pieces right. So they have like some fun art, and I, I was studying you know following this project. Uh, I didn't get on the whitelist, which funny enough, like I actually tried to get on their whitelist, uh, but their criteria required you know just a little bit too much labor intensive that I wasn't able to make it happen, and. This project sold out in minutes. I'm talking like, I mean, a minute and a half. And if you've never bought on Solana before, Solana has a tendency to, um, you know, for those that don't realize it, like the, the secondary market, the buys and sells and flips go really, really, really fast. Uh, I, I believe a lot of that has to do with a lot of bots that people are using to buy and sell, buy and sell. Um, I know there were, I was tracking a couple different bots that were buying the, from the floor of this project, relisting it for like 0.5 ETH more, and then doing that over and over again, or 0.5 Solana more. So we minted this one at 1.5 Solana. And I will tell you the, the utility, the use cases, and how they're going to use this art to kind of grow the connection is going to be interesting. Now, there wasn't a lot of them. I believe there was only 1,500 of these um, released. Uh, it was a higher uh, Solana mint price than I uh, we've done before. I believe we've minted, if, I, if, I don't, if I'm not, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, I believe we've minted 12 on Solana so far. So out of 158 NFTs, 12 of them have been on Solana. But I think this was probably the one we spent the most um, for, uh, or right around that at 1.5 Solana, which for you know 1.5 Solana is uh, you know at these current prices is about 150, 175 dollars, which is actually way low compared to if we're comparing it to um, Ethereum. But the thing that I've noticed with Solana projects is ones like this that have a lot of hype. They will hype real early. And then they take a long while to kind of grow, but they do continue to grow over time as far as their floor price. So this is gonna be a fun one um, to track, uh, you know, come November when we uh, when we sell the entire collection. So that's gonna be um, the Hidden Boys NFTs. But you know, I, I know a lot of people have requested, like, hey Brian, can you give us a little bit more, you know, background on the NFTs that we're, you're buying and, and the, this process? But I, I reason I really want to go in, into this detail and take this long on this uh, episode was you also saw the different price points and the different reasons for buying each of these. Now, when an NFT launches and the mint price is 2 Ethereum or 3 Ethereum, which is you know, $3,000, $6,000, I believe most of the utility at that price point are going to be about the same, right? It's going to be about access to a membership community. Um, it's really like you're buying into like a private uh, club or like a, a you know a very exclusive membership club. Now there are ones that have a that have a much lower price point. One of the ones that I love is the Coalition Crew um, that has lower price point and has a very similar utility. But the re- the thing I wanted to kind of just like put out there is, you know, Moonbirds might be 
you know, more of a 1% um, NFT collection and we can learn from the innovation, but it's also like kind of a 1% utility, right? Where the utility is about what we expect for a lot of projects at that range. I would argue that there's a lot of, if you look at all the other projects, the amount of innovation and the amount of different ways that you can invest and flip and, and be a part of is actually way more innovative at the lower price points. And that's where, you know, I think, you know, the, you know, the comment I get a lot is like, Brian, you know, if you're advising someone that just wants to get in and invest, like, where should they start? Should they just mint a couple projects and see to get, if they get lucky? And if someone's just looking to invest, they don't want to be active in the community or don't really care too much about the art. I actually think it's best to get into an established project that is kind of just before it's delivering its, its initial utility. But if you're looking to get in and splash around and try out NFTs and learn about NFTs and get that little bug of like learning how to buy and sell and flip and understand um, the different secondary markets, I, like, I think minting NFTs is a pretty amazing experience. Now, I will tell you, it's funny. I have a lot of friends that three months ago, they're like, Brian, I, I did nothing but mint NFTs, but I kind of got over that dopamine hit and now I only buy into established projects. That's such an interesting like, just concept because what I believe a lot of them are saying is that, hey, I made some money, but I didn't get lucky. I didn't hit like the, the moonshot of one of those mints. So I'd rather just try to, to spend a little higher money and buy into fewer projects and see if I can get lucky there. I actually still believe there is massive value in minting NFTs and, you know, kind of looking at a whole bunch of different utility, a whole bunch of different use cases. And you don't know what the future holds. You don't know, you know, when more mass adoption comes in, right? When more people join um, into this NFT community, which is happening over and over and over again, you know, we don't know what they're going to resonate. We don't know what, you know, what is the future trend going to look like? Maybe a future trend is going to be more of, you know, less of the play to earn games and more of the, um, the shooter games. Maybe the, the, one of the trends is going to be um, where people are taking the art and then designing like physical artwork, right? And I will tell you like a couple of the projects that I hold, like I think of that, right? I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna hold on to this project for a year because if the trend becomes you know, printing out your art or physical um, components of your art, I, I would wear a lot of these NFTs that the floor prices might be super low at the moment, but it could skyrocket, right? Like the in-betweeners comes to mind, right? That was a project um, by Justin Bieber's um, artist and creator and uh, Geo. And the in-betweeners, like I love that art. Like I would wear that art on a shirt. I would wear that, um, you know, like, I would buy sticker. I would own that art um, just because I just love the, the way that art feels. But that's a project that, you know, had had shot up pretty high um, on floor price and has come back down to earth a little bit. Um, I know they've risen back up to 0.6, I think, um, ETH over the last 24 hours. They were as low as 0.1. But what, I'm, what I just want to kind of point out is that it's easy to allow NFT community trends to overwhelm us, to like make us feel like the fear of missing out. But you know what was funny is like I didn't have the fear of missing out on Moonbirds but I also wasn't bitter for people that are a part of Moonbirds. And I also don't believe that Moonbirds is bad for this space. I just think they're new, they're different, their approach is different, and that I think we're going to have to learn and study and understand their value. And I also think um, we're going to see ebbs and flows in that kind of delivery. And 
you know, we're going to continue to see this. We're going to see more brands get in there. We're going to see more people that have, um, you know, very large established um, audiences, right? Like imagine someone like Oprah Winfrey dropping an NFT and like just like that kind of audience, right? Imagine something like, uh, you know, President Barack Obama dropping um, an NFT collection or even someone like Taylor Swift, where she has her Swifties, uh, which I am proudly one of. Um, And so we're going to see this idea of like established credibility, dropping projects. We're going to see established communities dropping projects. We're also going to see born on web three projects launching and they're kind of having success as well. And I I just think it's important to, when you see a trend, don't get like, don't allow yourself to feel like you have to be on every trend or like, man, I really missed out. I could have made a lot of money, but let's face it. Like you didn't have that money to risk. So like you actually made a smart play by staying within your means. And so this is a shout out to all of those that understand how to define their own success, to map their own goals, and to recognize that just because you're not involved in a project doesn't mean that you should that you can't learn from it, and it doesn't mean that you should fud it, but it also doesn't mean that that project has to influence your future decisions. I just really think this is a fun landscape, and you know, I'm buying an NFT every single day. I, I will argue... Uh, I don't know if anyone over the last 160 days has done more research on up and coming NFT projects than myself. Uh, and if someone has, like, I would love to collaborate and get to know them. Uh, this isn't a competition, but you know, for me, it's buying. You know, we've done it on 12 blockchains now, 12 different marketplaces. Um, and uh, the the beauty of this is I get to see so much utility, so much different art. Some that you know that I believe are, are kind of taking off. I know. The Art of Seasons is an NFT that we minted about three weeks ago, uh, and it, I think it minted at point one, and I believe it's almost to an ETH now um, as a, a project. And I I minted that one knowing damn well, like based on the art, based on the the community they had built, and based on some of the other trends about that Japanese style art that it was going to take off. Uh, and so, like for me, like the validation is happening there, but the all- validation is also happening. There are a lot of projects, almost all of the projects that we've minted are still around right now, still figuring things out. They might not make it till November. Some, some are going to disappear. Um, some are going to give up. But I, I just think that it's, so it's really important to look at like the trust factor. And if I had to summarize the Moonbirds you know, project, people were investing in those founders, you know, the, the, the key members of Proof Collective. And it was an opportunity for them to invest twenty four, $30,000 and kind of ride on the ride with them. It, w- it would be much like, you know, if Elon Musk dropped uh, an NFT and we could, you know, kind of be a part of that ride, if you had the means to do so, you would because you're looking at Elon Musk as, you know, you might not like what he's doing with Twitter, but he's been pretty damn successful. And so that's where I'm going to leave you on this episode. Um, I Let me know, like, uh, on Twitter, jump over to our Discord. Uh, if you like me going over some of the NFTs that we're buying every day, uh, I will try to do this a little bit more frequently. Um, and I'm always open to feedback, ideas, um, you know, projects that you're looking at. Uh, you know, jump over to our Discord. It's Discord. You can just put in your browser, discord.gg slash ADHD coin. And you don't need ADHD coin to join. It's just, you know, that's where we, uh, you know, if you have ADHD coin, you end up opening up additional channels and such. So you don't even need to hold one of our NFTs um, to kind of participate. You can jump in, have some fun, splash around, share your projects. And, um, you know, this space is a lot of fun. And kudos to everyone that got involved in Moonbirds, but also 
kudos to all those that just enjoyed the ride, um, enjoy the people watching, enjoy uh, knowing that we are all learning and growing together. So until tomorrow, my friends, make it a great day. This show Cheers. is not financial advice, so do your own 